Welcome everybody to My Cup of Tea. This is a show where me and my best friend and partner in crime, Joy, talk about anything that is artsy, including literature, movies, books, galleries, you name it, we talk about it. Why? Because it's our cup of tea. So welcome. Welcome everyone. So this podcast, we're actually going to talk about um, an exhibit we got to go to. Oh, and it was so exciting. Um, it was at the Virginia um, Fine Arts Center. And we get to talk about the Impressionist movement. Um, if you're not sure the time period of that, the Impressionist movement was late 1800s to early 1900s. Um, during this time in America, you have late 1800s. Um, in the 1860s, you have the Civil War here in America. You have Abraham Lincoln, who was president and then was assassinated. You also have um, the beginnings of new technology into the end of 1900s to early 1900s. Um, and that is all in America. Of course, during this time, America also decided that they wanted to learn more about art and the new styles that were coming out in France. Because France, which I believe still is like the huge hub for art and anything new, whether that's culinary arts or paintings or even fashion, France was the place to go. So a bunch of Americans then decided, hey, let's travel. And of course, during this time, ocean um, travel was actually very popular. You don't just have these, you know, sails and ships and stuff when you think of like, you know, pirates and the Mayflower and pilgrims. No, you have actual liners now. Traveling is very common across the ocean. Um, it's very luxurious for some people, <laughs> other people, if you just barely got a ticket and got on there. Um, but it was very easy to travel to France. And so you have a lot of these people now trying to go to France, trying to change the way they do art and to learn more because Impressionism was actually becoming very popular very quickly. Um, and that was what this exhibit was all about, was these Impressionists, American Impressionists going to France and what they ended up created and how they made a name for themselves. Um, I also just kind of wanted to let you know um, just if you, if it's still hard to kind of think about this time period, um, an easy one that I think a lot of our viewers will know is Think Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey is at the very beginning of 1900s. Um, I mean, it starts off like episode one, The Sinking of the Titanic, which is 1912. So this is definitely right in the middle of the Impressionist movement in France. So you can think about that. You can also think another very... Um, easy thing to think of is Little Women. Little Women was um, based during the Civil War, 1860s, but if you remember, Amy, the littlest sister, um, decided to go to France. Why? Because if she wanted to be truly proficient in art, she had to go to France and learn from the artists at that time. Uh, and so her uh, aunt decided, yes, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take Amy because she has, you know, great talent. We're going to take her to France so she can learn from the very best. So that is another very easy cultural thing just to kind of put up. This is right in the middle of the Impressionist movement. So it is this time slot. These, um, the Impressionist movement still technically goes on today, but it was very popular late 1800s to about 
mm, early 1900s here in America, maybe 1930s, it wasn't as popular because we had the Great Depression happen. No one really traveled or did anything and no one really cared about art or anything because <laughs> we were all broke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Impressionists is still very, very common today. I personally do a lot of my stuff in that style. So um, you also have a lot of the big names, Monet, you have Van Gogh, you have um, Degas, you have Renoir. All these famous people all came from this movement. So, uh, yeah. So, Joy, what do you think about, do you have anything to add to that history? or? Well, I really enjoyed the fact that they, in the beginning of the exhibit, when we were waiting in line, because we went the second day before they closed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, they had a this awesome picture of the Eiffel Tower being constructed to really give you perspective how these Americans were in France on the cusp of the new industrial age, the new modern age, and um, I mean, I just, in my imagination, think that they must have had the thrill of their lives being in France and being able to paint and to create and to do what their heart desires. Hmm. And I thought that that was really, really awesome. And the way that they constructed the exhibit, I thought was really, really well thought out. And um, I'd love to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, and that's it. Is I am super excited, not only because my favorite painter is actually Degas and he's very well-known impressionist um I I was super excited when we decided to do this because I was like oh but I didn't know a lot about the American impressionist because you don't think American you know you think right. Monet you think Van Gogh you think all these foreign French German you know that part of Europe you get a lot of famous people from that part of Europe but you don't get a lot of Americans and coming to find out there were quite a few Americans that were not only in France, but they got actual mentored by Monet and by Degas and Renoir. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and so before we talk about the exhibit a little bit, um, Impressionism is easily just kind of explained, is taking what was a lot of like if you think about renaissance so da vinci um you know that kind of era you have very exact paintings you have black lines they're very fine very detailed you also have a lot of biblical um religious mythology a lot of those sort of paintings a lot of roman influence roman clothing for some strange reason <laughs> that was a huge thing and that was usually the popularity until this movement where they were pulling away from the black lines. They were experimenting with lots of colors, They're not just color, but bright colors, pastel colors. Um, they also started doing landscaping, which for some reason that wasn't a thing either. It was all portraits and biblical and mythology sort of stuff, but not actual current landscaping yeah that was mm -hmm. something that was really mentioned in the exhibit is the focus was a lot more on nature mm -hmm. 
and the sacredness of nature versus yeah. the sacredness of like people and of biblical archetypes and like you said greek mythology and stuff like that yep and i think that um it was just kind of the almost like a natural progression because you can only paint the same type of subjects for so long you need mm -hmm. to be you know do what artists do be creative and find something new to paint and a different way to paint and i think that it's just something that is a normal cycle of art mm -hmm. i absolutely agree um i think oppressionism came at a time where you like you said a lot of technology was advancing a lot of people were traveling now and a lot of people could travel now um they could go to different countries they can see different things um you also make paints differently and you have different types of paints um, not only do you have oil paints, you have pastels, you have, you know, and also because of the Renaissance, we could be thankful for, for schools and schooling and education. Um, it was more available to the common people, still had its issues <laughs> on education and especially with women, but it was still way more accessible than it had ever been in history for people to travel, to go, to learn. Um, and so I think oppressionism, I think just like it says, it took away those black lines and opened up more of a world to the, well, the modern world, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s. That is, I feel when modernism like really kicks off with technology, with art, with even just women rights. And, you know, I mean, it's just more heading into that modern world that we know today really happened at the end of one decade and into the next. So um, so this exhibit was actually called um, from, I, I want to get Whistler, Whistler to, to Cassette. Cassade. Yeah. 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 I, I, I wanted to keep mixing them in my brain. I don't know Cassade to Whistler, but I, I have no idea why. And I was like, no, it's Whistler first. <laughs> you're, you're thinking alphabetical. Oh, hey, I'll take it. I'll take that. My brain was just alphabetical. <laughs> <laughs> um and so you when you walk into this exhibit it literally kind of shows you mid 1800s you have very dark lines very structured very detailed and then by 1900s early 1900s you have full impressionism in view where the lines are blurred even the faces aren't that detailed some faces were completely blurred out um, they weren't defined and color, oh my gosh, just these bright pops of color started coming through. Light, also I think they played with how light affects color and how light reflects on things because you saw that a lot where like light coming through yeah. a window or the sun on the water or the moon on the water, you get a lot of just light, I well, feel. Frank Benson uh, Frank Weston Benson, he was one of my favorites in there. He actually was saying that he was, his focus was not to get the color. It's not, he wanted you to not think of color as objects. He wanted to, 
think of color as how light reveals the objects. Mm -hmm. And so his main focus was the light and how the light is showcasing the subject. Mm -hmm. And the way that the light would hit is how he would dictate the way his colors looked. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's also why Impressionists started painting outdoors to get natural color, natural light. Right. You know, um, not only just because you have these beautiful scenes to capture, like, I mean, you're in France. I mean, you and I talked about that in the exhibit. Like, well, yeah, you go to France, you just go right down the street and there's already a beautiful countryside exactly. of view. <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, you know, how would you even decide what to paint? Because it's just, everything's beautiful. Um, Especially in that time, in that yeah. era. Because there's not a... I mean, if you were in the city, there might have been smog and pollution, but very quickly you can go out the city and boom, clear air, cliff sides. Like you saw a lot of cliff sides, you saw a lot of gardens, you saw just a lot of natural just beauty. And it was just like, oh, dear heavens. Uh, but Impressionists were the first ones to actually do that, to actually start taking their art to the outdoors, which I also thought was very intriguing that they yeah. were the first ones to actually think about that and like as a photographer i much prefer taking the shots outdoors mm-hmm. i do not like studio photography it's not that it's not a good thing it's a great thing for what its purpose is but the most beautiful and perfect shots i've ever taken they're all outdoors mm-hmm. because you there's no light like natural light mm-hmm. because it's it's organic mm-hmm. well it's real and you know just a little bit of segue not too bad um well that's <laughs> why the louvre in france that was the architect he wanted was that's why it's a big glass triangle i mean you think oh my gosh but because he wanted to play with the natural light that filtered in um so even architects i think around this time were playing with light and they really enjoyed it so i don't know if that's the impressionist like influence or architecture or vice versa um but you get a lot of architect now in this early 1900s that they're all really playing with light and how that affects the natural beauty around things you know so yeah absolutely that is yeah that is so cool but um yeah um so after you go through that first section the second section just talked about the education and how americans when they first arrived basically they said paint what you know you know what basically what your talent is you know what can you paint um i think we saw a bunch of um pictures and drawings yeah a lot of pencil of models um for viewers knowing that that's naked models that it was it's still very common in the art world if you want to grasp anatomy you draw naked models but you saw a lot of that just to kind of see like what level their talent was um, and you'd have these classrooms just full of just like painters and drawers. And as yeah. you go through this section, you see different impressionists who have already done impression, even though it wasn't official yet, you get these impressionists started taking people under their wing. And there was a few Americans, 
that were able to get taught by Monet, Renoir, um, even Degas, they just kind of started saying, hey, let's do this, let's do that, you know? Um, which I thought was just really, really cool. I mean, I would, I would drop dead if, you know, a big artist took me under their wing. Absolutely. And one of the really cool things that I liked about that uh, room was just the fact that my husband is an artist and he is going through a lot of the things that these artists are going through but by, by n just realizing you need to consistently work on your craft and mm -hmm. really you, you're consistently learning there's no point in being an artist where you should not be sharpening your skills and what I really liked was the fact that um, the artist that was featured in that room mm -hmm. he was saying that you need to as an artist consistently just over and over just practice over and mm -hmm. over because the more you practice the better you get and he really knew what he was talking about because he was amazing and yeah. he I mean um yeah and even uh at the very tail end of that room uh Mary Katsad was mentioned now, Mary, uh, I think I have her dates right here. Mary Cassatt, she was the only American, let alone female American, that was involved in the first Impressionist exhibit that was held in France. And now these people were, you know, there was Renoirs, there was Monet's, there was Degas. She was the only American to be featured in that exhibit because of her talent. But the interesting thing was, is that she was a woman. And actually the audio tour, um, which Joy and I did do, talked about how, you know, how hard it was as a woman trying to hone on her skill, do these classes and do these things because some men would think that she was shirking her home duties. And then yes. even just like other women, they're like, you're not being relational enough. You're not hosting, you know, parties and like dinners and stuff like that you're not what about your kids what about your marriage and she's just like well first of all this is what I do this is what I love you know um and she worked really really hard just to hone in on her skills enough um to be featured and actually it paid off because she was seen as one of the best impression American impressionists in that era and so her work was actually featured in the first huge exhibit of impressionism and that is when it officially like was cemented as the kickoff and that was in um 1874 was that huge kickoff of it yeah and another artist that was featured in that room was cecilia bow mm -hmm. i don't know if you recall her but i really liked the audio tours description of her mm -hmm. because um, she was the first female instructor of painting and drawing at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts mm -hmm. and she would decline offers of marriage to protect her independence oh, and yep. Yep. see I think that's <laughs> like a big thing is if you are a woman and you want to have a career in something that is male dominated you 
almost cannot have, like you said, like she said, just a marriage, family, because you have to focus solely on that career or that like discipline, like art. Because the one thing I think that takes women away from dominating as much as they could and would had they had the ability is the fact that we are the main caretakers of Mm -hmm. children and the exhibit actually like really uh during the audio tour was talking about the humility that comes along with that job of being mothers Mm -hmm. and that that I believe is one of the reasons we see so many men progressing more and faster and even today mm-hmm. like because women want to be with their children they want to be caretakers and there's only but so much you can do and focus on and do well yeah and the one thing I personally as a mom want to do well is raise my children right. to be good people to be I'm very intentional with my parenting and with my mothering and that does take a toll though on other things like I can't just be a photographer and photograph weddings every weekend because if I was gone every weekend I would never be with my children mm-hmm. you know and like you know dealing with school deal- you know it's just a whole rabbit trail of things like even back in the 1800s like there there's still so much that would just occupy because people didn't have the luxuries of today of all the things like a washing machine right like mm-hmm. microwave so your day is taken up by these things that take a very long time to achieve and to achieve well mm-hmm. you know yeah and you had to be well to do in order to even hire help so like if you think exactly. about like a great example is Downton Abbey right they are a very big estate well off estate um they can hire help they can you know they have footmen they have ladies maids they have housemaids they have you know, <laughs> they even have nannies for their kids you know um now one of the big responsibilities of those big estates were, um, you know, economy, like literally giving jobs to people, um, even hiring people to take care of the land, to farm the land, and then taking that food and giving it to people um, in the towns and stuff. So, I mean, the states had a responsibility, but America never really had that. America's still pretty Mm -hmm. young. Um, We don't have those old estates. We don't have that way of thinking because when we came here, you know, we basically built a life of our own. And so you think about, and I think that's why I love this exhibit so much because you bring up a great point. Like these American artists, women, they go, people think they're nuts. Like, why aren't you focusing on marriage? Why are you not focusing on your families? Um, Now, Amy in Civil War, she was single. She, you know, but even in France, she was pressured to marry Freddie. You know, she needs to get married. She need, Why? Because he will provide for her 
comfortably so she could just do art as a pastime, but she didn't really have to. Yeah, but she needed like that. to marry she well. She mm-hmm. for her family yep. because that's why you got married was you, you sent your daughters out mm-hmm. like Pride and Prejudice because, you know, it was basically a business deal. Yeah, and well, because the women couldn't they need to survive. Work. Well, women couldn't work on their own. You yeah. know, um, I think Jane Austen um, says it very clearly in Sense and Sensibility with Elena. And um, she says, you know, men can, you know, lose their fortune or inherit their fortune. We can't even earn ours. So men could even go out and get a job and earn their own fortune if their family were not well off. But women, we couldn't even earn it. Even if we tried, there was nothing. And I think America, modern Americans, still struggles with that because we don't put an emphasis on women being, you know, able to either you either are in the home or you work. It's really hard to do both. Um, and then if you work, then your kids are going to suffer. But then if you're in the home, then you can't have a career. You can't, and that's with all of our modern technology. That is with everything. So there's that still that stigmatism of women, and it's still very complex here in America. Um, and to see that I could relate to 1800, early 1900 American right. women, and say, hey, I know that struggle, because I'm an artist, but I'm lucky if I get an hour a night, which is not <laughs> a whole lot to really hone in on a skill, let alone classes or go into a place like France and getting tutored and mentored and you know I'd have to be gone for a long time yeah and a lot of companies are begging for women in their companies especially Mm -hmm. lawyers yep because we we just have that a completely different perspective on things and that it's really needed in the workforce but the thing is we just there's just different priorities Mm -hmm. and I don't think that all of it is because we're being oppressed or anything I think a lot I think part of it not maybe anyway I think a part of it is that we really desire to be home with our kids and we desire to be a huge part of their upbringing Mm-hmm. because that is the best gift that we could give to our kids and they are the best gift that we can ever receive um, mm-hmm. but one thing about that too is you know it, it we're with our children for maybe 18 years mm-hmm. per kid and then after that we're free mm-hmm. <laughs> and then- luckily now, like in this modern era, we're we're free to not just keep slaving away at home. We can actually go out and do what we desire to do. Mm-hmm. Um, in some aspects. Yeah, I think, I think you point out like just the heart of these women, American painters is they want to still be a good woman. There's that tension of being a good woman and still being able to contribute to society. Exactly. And that changes per culture. And it always has. Absolutely. Like some cultures are very open with that and like, okay, but there's still that struggle. You know, there's that 
culture. You know, it's not always oppression, but it's cultural lens of, you know, I want to be a good woman. What does that look like? But I also want to contribute to society. What is that? You know, what does that look like? And of course, society gets to dictate what is a contribution, what's not. <laughs> you know, um, but I think, you know, especially um, uh, uh, Cecilia, you, you, know, you mentioned her. And I saw a quote on the wall and I loved it. And it said, I predict an hour when the term women in art will be as strange sounding a topic as the title men in art would be now. You know, um, she knows that when people say, well, women in art, it's going to be strange sounding. Exactly. Like, you you, know? you have, back then you had to specify because mm -hmm. it was men in art, not women. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that was the same with you know anything education wise you know whether that's culinary whether that's exactly you know um anything like that like even if if we're going to bring in like cultures like you know Downton Abbey Edith and trying to write her own paper you know she's a well too off lady she doesn't have to but she wants to and they're like why would you want to do that she goes I just want to contribute you know um and she was good at it but it was very strange. And so you also get the same time period where early 1900s women are starting to find out, hey, I can be a woman and I can be a good person at home, but I also want to contribute to society. Whether yeah. that's through art, whether that's through learning, whether that's just being able to vote. Let me vote, you yeah. know, because um, we want to be part of society. And I think these women took a huge risk to not only go into the world of men, but go to the hub of art, which was a lot of men, and actually show their stuff and say, no, look, I can paint. I want to paint. I'm talented. Let me contribute. They deserve to paint. Yep, exactly. You know, like, and that's why we as women are so blessed because we are past that period in history where the women really, I'm not saying we're fully through it at all, but there's been so many women before us that had to do so much of the heavy labor mm -hmm. to even get us to this point where we can, you, you and I, we can paint, we can write. Mm -hmm. There's so many women writers and they're, you know, photographers, chefs now. Yes. You know, like, cause pioneering. Before, yeah. Mm -hmm. A woman chef, it's like, no, mm -hmm. that's not going to happen. That it, it just you should never let a woman cook in a you know male dominated kitchen right. like that's just crazy but now people are just realizing that we are just another side of the coin right you know like we there's so many women who progress more than men and there's you know men who progress less or more you know i think we're all equal mm -hmm. and it's it's not it's not about ability and talent between the sexes it's just giving both of them the ability to show off those talents mm -hmm. you know and i think that sometimes maybe if because men aren't <coughs> tied down by just natural responsibilities 
they have the ability to progress a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And this might just be speculation on my part, but they have the freedom and they've had that freedom to be able to be painters, be chefs, mm-hmm. excel. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying I'm observing that that's kind of what happens. Right. Right. You know, whether I'm right or wrong. No, absolutely. I I think art and culture very much shows that. I mean, here we are learning about women at the late 1800s, early 1900s. Guys, that was only 100 years ago. Just about. Exactly. You know, it's not that long ago in the whole grand scheme of things. Um, You know, if your grandparent lived to be 100, that's like their lifetime. It's... Well, it's I mean, very, think about very... it. My mother-in-law, she remembers segregated beaches. Yep. yep. I mean, and she, you know, that's a life. That's less than a lifetime. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And that's just insane. Exactly. Well, that's it. And so you think about everything that these people who were even born in the early 1900s, 1920s, 1930s, everything that they saw advancement-wise, art-wise, um... It takes a while for a culture to completely change, you know? It, it takes time. Yeah. Um, you know, we are seeing more women in the workforces and women contributing in their own ways, whether that's culinary arts, um, painting, sculpture. But sometimes it's still a rough road, you know? Yeah. And, and just seeing these women, like you said, like pioneering, starting it, getting the ball rolling on American women, you know, on being able to do what they love just because they love to do it. Um, and feel like that they can contribute to their society in such a beautiful, marvelous way. I mean, um, looking at Mary Cassatt again, um, you get to go, part of the exhibit was just a lot of her works and you see her paint basically just motherhood and what that looked like. Um, you know, you see her paint her children and babies and, you know, them playing or her holding them and just showing the tenderness. I mean, all her works were just tenderness and mothering and with bright colors and like even just like bright cheeks on the baby to show youth and... Uh, yes, it was just beautiful, absolutely I gorgeous. Yeah, uh, there was that one painting with the mother and her baby, and they're both wearing very similar toned clothing, and the skin tone on the child matched the skin tone of the mother, even though her skin tone was a little bit like the colors were a bit more darker, and that might be the lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I loved that picture or painting because as a mom, that's exactly what I would want to paint. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, um, like she paints a lot of the things that me as a woman really care about. Mm -hmm. Like I would care about seeing a painting of my nurse with my children in the garden or just a beautiful portrait of a little girl. Mm-hmm. 
because that's what I have all over my phone. Exactly. <laughs> so my kids. Yeah. And my favorites are the ones that, where they actually get to be in a professional like photography session. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm doing it or someone else is. Exactly. Well, you also get to find with uh, Mary Cassatt is you find women in. I mean, I'm gonna say precarious positions because that's just. No, um, but very relaxed <laughs> positions where to yeah. men it was precarious, right? Slouching, leaning back, you know, it, it was improper. But yeah. um, I mean, even just the simple painting, it's called The Reader, if you want to look it up. If you guys are at home and uh, you want to look it up, it's The Reader by Mary Cassatt. Um, and it's her leaning back, reading a book. Now, you would think, oh, that's a pretty picture, but if you really think about it, if a man painted that, the woman had to be proper in front of a man or it was scandalous. So exactly. women had to sit up straight. Their posture had to be straight. They had to be very proper, their their chins up. You know, they had to be very delicate looking, very... Poised. Yeah, very poised, very elegant. Um, you know you you had to be a certain way in front of painters um <clears throat> unless yeah. you were a live model but that's a whole different story that's jobs but anyways <laughs> <laughs> if you go back to middle ages you'll know exactly what i'm talking about um but you know the women in this time had to be very proper so to get a woman painter to actually be able to paint what a woman may look like on a day-to-day -day basis she's not always poised she's not always sitting up she's not she may be lounging back reading a book well, it, and it's, it's just, just very like comfortable. In the movie like Pride and Prejudice, when the men would come in, everybody had to get like they were scrambling because they had to tidy up a little mm -hmm. bit and then they all had to sit up prim and proper. Mm -hmm. Just because Mr. Darcy was about to come in with Mr. Bingley. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's exactly that's just like it. a perfect example of that. Like yep. every, they had to be Shown as not just lounging about. We're doing something exactly. really meaningful by being prim and proper. Well, you can see. And, and very proper. Exactly. Well, you can see through art um, women who are considered improper, like Joe, Joe March from Little Women, because she was very comfortable with Lori and she would slouch, she would lounge, she would put her feet up, she would. You know, and they, <laughs> yeah, and they would be like, "You're you're too masculine, Joe. You have to be more feminine." Um, but she didn't want to because she didn't care about societal things then. Um, but you also have like Lydia from Pride and Prejudice, and she was also because she was very improper. Like she would dance and she would slash and say, "Oh, I'm so fat." You know, that was very vulgar then. You didn't talk about anything like that. You were very proper. You were very poised. You were very just, you had to put on an image. Yeah. Um, and so you get also female painters, you get to have that different perspective. Like what you mentioned earlier, Joy, like you got to have that different view into the world of women just because you had a female painter. You got to have a whole different perspective than exactly. Like if you look at, um, the Marauder by Theodore Robinson, which I think The Marauder, I love it because it's just a kid eating berries, but you know. <laughs> I was like, what a name, man, The Marauder. And I'm like, but it is a toddler. You know, I can see it. Um, but you know, you get this kid 
and he's fully dressed but you just you you paint the kid and like the beautiful background but where's the mom where's the tenderness where's the the relational men usually don't paint relational things unless it's like presented to them maybe but a lot of times they do landscapes or they do maybe a child or a person a portrait whereas women I guess I saw, especially in the Impressionist, women showing tenderness, connection, relation. Yeah, and actually yeah. one of the, I was doing some research on Frank Weston Benson just because I loved his painting so much. Oh, they were gorgeous. And Absolutely gorgeous, yeah. One of the things that he was criticized for was his subjects were women and children. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. even if men wanted to do something more relational, they were criticized mm-hmm. about it. So that might be why you don't see it as often mm-hmm. because, you know, I guess that's just not fashionable it, for the time. No, yeah, because men... To paint that. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, uh, I mean, you talked about it. What was your husband's least favorite part of the exhibit? The Mary Cassatt. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's and it, it was like yeah. pearls, too. And she loves Impressionist painting. Like, she actually loves Impressionist painting. And I don't know exactly why they didn't prefer that, that her paintings. That's so interesting. I I have no idea. I was Um, just going to say, because generally men don't connect with their relational as easily. I I won't say that they don't, because there are a lot of men who do connect relationally. Um, My husband, one of them. But even my husband, if he goes through that, he goes... It's harder for yeah. him to instantly yeah. connect with it. After Husbands a while, looking at it, in that know, aspect. Um, after a while, they can probably connect, but they connect with more like, ooh, landscape or a ship or if there's something dramatic like a war piece. Okay, my favorite, my husband's favorite pieces exactly. are like when you go into war and there are like spears and gore and blood or like it's a historical scene of something or That's another. Exactly you know? right it's, because yeah. you know Thomas he knows how to draw all of the Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're starting this comic book and it's all about my kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's harder. I've never drew, like illustrated children before. And it's really throwing him for a loop. And I'm like, well, he's just proving our point right now. Mm-hmm. You know, he just never thought to draw kids and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It it just never was on his radar. But lucky for him, he has a woman writer <laughs> in his comic books. So. Well, you can also keep on him. You're like, hey, hey, keep doing it. Come on. <laughs> Plus, you know, I think it's just going to make him a much better mm-hmm. artist because he isn't just illustrating things that he would think of. He's now illustrating things that I think of. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, that what makes a, if you think about anything in the arts, what makes them better is if they're more dynamic. Exactly. You know, um, and you get towards the later part of when Impressionism first came off and you get Van Gogh. Um, and Van Gogh, man, nobody liked him. Nobody liked his paintings. He was actually considered a drunk and he was dirt poor. Um, they thought he was crazy, which... Now, you know, there's some research saying that maybe he had bipolar or manic um, depression disorder, you know. But anyways, he would be really high and just, like, slam down really low. Um, Mm. He ends up committing suicide. But you look at his paintings, and it is 
kind of impressionist, but he really takes liberty, which a lot of people didn't do then, with colors and light to the point where he's swirling the heavens above, you know, Starry Night, one of his most beautiful and just immaculate paintings. People hated it. Why? Because the sky doesn't look like that. Even Impressionism. <laughs> there's not that many colors. There's not that many dynamic, but he started seeing the world as way more dynamic and colorful um, than what people were. And that threw everyone a loop, but I think that's what made him a great artist was not only did he see things differently, but he saw them in a more dynamic light. Um, now, unfortunately, he didn't become popular until after he died, which is a real shame, but now he's one of the most popular um, impressionists. I mean, there's an exhibit in DC that fully immerses people in his paintings on a daily basis, and they think, whoa, he was incredible. And I'm like, he was super, super new um, in that mindset of being more dynamic, being more artsy, being more right. just creative about things. But I think that's what made him a great artist. And I think with all these other artists and the Impressionists, you can see their early works, they still have like those black lines. But as, like you said, they keep practicing and they keep doing, their arts just become more and more beautiful and the lines just kind of disappear. You get these colors and you get these bright schemes and you get these landscapes and then of course you start heading into what we saw towards the end more neo-impressionism and post-impressionism um with like the dots and pointillism and stuff but that's a whole different conversation but you know you just see how it transitions and how people I think mentally and culturally they wanted to break the barriers of what they've always known and to try something new and that was really really huge then really huge but you could see it with all the arts at that time with technology with invention with like we talked about architecture art even plays and dramas you know you get more just away from once again biblical historical mythological and you get more women in stage plays you get more stories and fables and people writing their own things you know um people actually wanting to go to the operas and the arts and that was a really high society thing to do to be able to do yeah and one of the things i was i always think about when i'm in an art exhibit like that is i'm always wondering what everyone around me is thinking what they're feeling oh, why they're yeah. there, what they actually like about art like why art is important to them mm -hmm. it it's just something that i'm always curious about just because sometimes I'm there and I'm like, I don't even know really why I'm here. What I think I really love about going to an exhibit is you just have no idea what you're about to see, what emotions you're, are that are going to be evoked by the paintings that you see, What if it's going to make you uncomfortable, if it's going to mm -hmm. make you happy, sad, you know... Um, just uh, sometimes astonished amazed and it's just those visceral emotions that art brings to you it's what some people consider a very religious experience mm -hmm. and that's why people flock to these 
exhibits mm -hmm. and there's people of all different walks of life there yeah it's it's not just one certain person likes this art mm -hmm. a lot of different variations of people like having these experiences and like being touched by a visual piece of art and um, when we were in the exhibit we were both noting that it was oil painting and I how much we love oil painting because of the texture uh -huh. that it gives the painting and that too is another aspect of being able to enjoy and and really take in art uh, is just noting the textures and um, just the different techniques and that's what I really enjoy about <coughs> going to an exhibit even if it's not something that would necessarily spark my interest I'd still enjoy going there and seeing it because it's a true privilege mm -hmm. you know it Absolutely. It's not something that we should really take it for granted. Because there's a lot of people who don't get to see this or even be able to be in the mind frame of being able to enjoy this. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, there was a quote on the wall towards the end um, by James Whistler. Um, and he says, As music is the poetry of sound, so is painting the poetry of sight. And that is why I insist on calling my works arrangements and harmonies. Mm -hmm. And I saw that and I'm like, that's it right there. You know, it's the poetry of sight. And you look at impressionalism and I think that's what they were trying to capture as a whole is what is your impression? Let's get the impression of the scene, not the factual historical yeah. value of the scene but the impression, and I think, I mean, all my favorites, but Van Gogh, he took it a step further, and what does it mean to him and putting it on a paper? But then you have Whistler, you have Cassad, you have all these painters who are just trying to project feeling and color so that way it can draw emotions. You know, kind of like, you right. know, there, um, the one painting where it was the mom and the son sitting down for it looks like a birthday celebration and there's that bright reds and those bright colors but then you have the father-like figure in the back dark with without a face and i wondered i mean it stirred emotion in me but it's like why is he settling back is he sad that he doesn't get to be there is he was he just unformed but dark especially considered to like this happy bright red celebration there's like and, this dark, almost and sad. Research, now I'm thinking it's because the light wasn't hitting him. Mm-hmm. And had the light been hitting him, which it wouldn't be naturally, he would have been more detailed. Yeah. But because it was a birthday celebration, it's going to be dim. Mm-hmm. Unless you're near the candles. Yep. Exactly. But just how that simple view of light how that can change the emotion of a picture so quickly exactly you know and i think that's what they were playing with light is because light has a lot of power to draw different emotions out of people you know absolutely which is what you know movie directors mm -hmm. 
that's like one of their main ways to evoke emotion in a scene is to figure out what the lighting should be and how it should be on the characters or not be on the characters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, it's it's incredible how much light is part of our lives and it's probably because it's the number one resource that keeps us all alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much power in light and you know, and that's in art, and that's in, I mean, even just look at music, like one note or one chord, um, one scale on the piano can change the whole mood of that piece. You know, um, it's just, it's incredible uh, just what you can do to pull emotion, how quickly art right. just has that tendency just to pull emotion. And not only can art pull emotion out of the individual pe- person, but can draw the emotion of the culture at that time. And I think impressionalism as a whole does bring out this feeling of innovativeness, of beauty, of almost like striking out our own, going past the barriers and trying something new. And it actually, I think it kind of gave a boost to modernism and modern painting because it's like okay well we took away the barriers well now what you can do well art can be anything it could just be a splash of color on a canvas you know it could be you know a different medium it could be cups in a stack of culture it could be you know i mean i think it really impressionism really started that movement of it doesn't have to be exact it doesn't have to be historical it can be a feeling it can be a you know a statement it doesn't have to be uh like for educational or cultural it doesn't have to be a metaphor yeah exactly it doesn't have to be a metaphor it doesn't have to be anything like that it could literally just be a feeling yeah and what because I was asking Thomas what he knew about the Impressionalists. And one of the main things that he was saying is that's when artists really started using darks and lights together. And that massive contrast mm-hmm. was there. And one of the paintings in the exhibit that I really liked was from Theodore Robinson. It's called In the Sun. It was yes. dated yes. 1891. Mm-hmm. And it's of the woman just laying not being prim or proper and just (laughs) taking a nap in the sun and the way that they painted her skirt where the top is almost white and where the sun hits it looks almost white like an off-white and how um the grass that like halos her mm-hmm. is much darker because that's where the shadows would be mm-hmm. versus the other grass around her where the sun's hitting fully. Yeah. I mean, that's just beautiful. Like, it, it, it's such a perfect way to set a composition for a painting is using those shadows to... And for me, Thomas, he calls me the vignette queen because 
I love putting a vignette on a photo, and I know it's really silly, <laughs> but I just love how the darks hug the photo. And I don't do it in every photo. I only do it when it's appropriate. But, you know, it, it's there's something about having that halo around the composition, around the subject. So, for our listeners who don't know photography all that well, what is a vignette? Like, what... What difference is that to just, like, a typical, like, picture? Like, especially nowadays when there's, like, filters, quote-unquote, but, like, exactly. what is a vignette? Yeah. You can you can easily be able to play with a vignette on your Instagram filters, um, but it's basically a setting that I use when I use Adobe Photoshop to edit my photos that I take with my camera, like, my digital camera, where you can basically adjust it so there's a dark haze around the edges of the photo and you can make it super dark so it's super obvious and a lot of kind of commercial photography sometimes has this where you would never want to do that with just like a wedding or baby photos sometimes I do because I'm the queen of vignettes I think they're romantic but I I would never do it on every photo for every occasion. It's supposed to be used sparingly. And a lot of people in in the photography world might even say either if you're going to use it, use it so it doesn't look like it's there. Mm -hmm. It's barely there to give that dimension to the photo. Mm -hmm. But otherwise leave it alone <laughs> i'm just thinking like having flashbacks of like was it like 80s and maybe early 90s like um i feel like vignettes were really really big in like senior pictures for some reason yes absolutely where it was like all blurry and like this like you know like you said it's like that circle halo yes. showing the senior i mean i remember seeing those all the time or like the double thing of like one position oh, up in this corner of, and the a lot of like on. in memory or you know like yeah. bulletins that yeah. they have pictures of people who've passed away yes like their portraits they will they'll vignette um and you can vignette white light too instead <clears throat> of black okay so sometimes they would <laughs> exactly. Sometimes they would make a white vignette. Um, but I digress. <laughs> I don't even know where we are in the exhibit. <laughs> what room we're in? No, we were just talking about our favorites, and I think at this point, because we, at this point in the exhibit, we're past all the educational. Now it's just showcasing yeah. a bunch of different artists and kind of just going through. Yeah, so we passed the salon. We're at Mary Cassad and her yeah. work about family um, and the women. And then you go to another room, and it's basically now just showing pieces um, in this collection from different artists, like the um, girl lying in the sun or in the sun, Marauder. Um, you also get yes. John Singer Sorgen, which I love this piece. Yes. Um, Madame in Mazarus. I, I hope I'm saying that. But, it's Erezuris. 
I think it's I think it's uh, Latin like uh, because her husband's name is Jose Tomas so I'm assuming that might be some maybe he's Spanish I was gonna say that sounds very Hispanic so like yeah Emma ah is the A so Emazres Emazres um, we could be totally yeah off uh, sorry guys I love that painting though oh my it's gosh because so it's one of my favorites because you get you get a portrait but you get almost like a candid painting portrait <laughs> when candid wasn't really a thing quite yet um but yeah and like the details oh. it's like how did they do that to make her look almost real but it was all color no black lines no harsh lines it was all done by playing of color and i just saw that and i was like oh my goodness and actually it talks about how that was very not popular of him and he would do that with all of his family portraits it said with all of his families is that he would take like a almost like a candid photo of them um when i say photo like mental photo (laughs) um or get them in a position that's very candid looking and then he would do the portrait in impressionist style but all with color and it was all about color and you have like this dark almost features but then you have this nice yellow background and it was just oh my gosh if you guys at home can look it up it's madame Imazarez by John Singer Sargent, S-A-R-G-E-N. Um, he was just amazing. It was beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, I, it just took my breath away just how much detail there was. And it was all from color play. And not harsh lines or black lines or anything. It was just, oh, it was beautiful. He was definitely one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. His his work is just amazing. So now, being through the exhibit, um, Joy, who is your favorite impressionist? That's a great question. Like I, American, we'll do. If you have a different impressionist that you love, but who was your favorite? Like American outside of the yeah. Um, I don't because, um, truth be told, I never really had Impressionism on my radar. I always appreciated it when I saw it, but it was never something that was a interest mm-hmm. on my mind. But going through this exhibit, it's given me such a new respect and new joy and love for this art. Form. Um, and I really loved, and I know I've said this on um, before, but I really love Frank Weston Benson's work. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because he was in the second to last room where the Impressionism was a lot more f- turning into what we think of Impressionalism mm-hmm. instead of like the when it was just being born and they were still kind of in the realism world yes um like this 
It does have an air of realism, but it's not strict. Oh, wow. That looks like a photograph. Right. Yeah, it's not going right. to be like that. Right. And just his use of composition, his use of light, like he was, like I was saying, he was looking at his work not as, I'm going to draw these objects and the light will just follow. No, he was actually in the forefront of his brain thinking of the light and how it dresses <coughs> the subjects. Mm -hmm. And one of the favorites I had was the portrait of my daughters painted in 1907. And it's um, his three daughters, Sylvia, Elizabeth, and... Eleanor mm -hmm. and they are just absolutely gorgeous I mean I would want to paint them they're beautiful women yes and it's it's just breathtaking that people can paint like this but back in this day people were not distracted the way we are with different things that they actually were very intentional on mastering mm -hmm. a discipline and I think the mastery of discipline was a lot more revered back then than mm -hmm. it is now Yeah, that's speculation I will not say that's fact but that's just <laughs> what I have yeah, it's your observed yeah. it's my opinion you know and that's why we're here right? yep absolutely <laughs> but, but yeah Frank, Frank Weston Benson, definitely my favorite out of the whole exhibit. Mm -hmm. He's the one who, when I saw his paintings, I was like, I want this in my house. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, I can agree with you there. Um, my overall favorite I mentioned before, Impressionist, is Degas. Um, but he was born in France and died in France. So he was Parisian. <laughs> he was fully <laughs> French in every sense of the word. I him for that. Yeah. Um, and so he was one of the first to kind of rally the Impressionism. And he was also one of the well-known mentors to these American artists. That and Monet, I think they just kind of <laughs> did it together. Um, and... Uh, I love anything Degas makes, mostly in his ballet era. I'll just call it an era because there's lots of ballet yeah. paintings. There's even the ballerina sculpture where he did it multiple times in different mediums. So he did one in copper, he did one, I think, plaster. He did. It's almost like the same pose but different. I don't know why, but he just did it. I don't know if he just wanted to try to get it right and he never felt like it. They're all beautiful. So if you can find any of them, Oh my gosh, they're they're just incredible. Um, but he's my favorite. But I think American Impressionalism, I really love this exhibit because it actually opened my eyes to American Impressionalists because they don't get talked about. You, no, you they always don't. see the European Impressionalists and you don't get to see the American ones. And so I think my absolute favorite was Mary Cassatt. Um, I respect her as a woman. I respect her as an artist. I also respect her as a pioneer um in women artists and as well as just pioneering that in 
Impressionism in America and that art style. Um, I just, I was blown away by what she said, what she felt. I mean, she even felt like that Impressionism, she didn't like that word because she didn't want to be impressed to do something. She wanted to be independent. I was like, yeah, go girl, <laughs> you know, just go for it, you know. But she, she really wanted to say, no, I want to be my own person and I want to paint my own style. But she loved the Impressionist style. So she just called it like, she, she just said, I'm independent. Um, and I'm like, and You can okay. kind of see that in her portraits because mm -hmm. it's not, it is very Impressionist and, but it's not like what I would think. It's, would be more like a Frank Weston Benson type Impressionist. Right, right. And I think maybe that's why like Pearl and Thomas didn't connect with it as much because it, it wasn't as like straightforward mm -hmm. as the other ones. Yeah. But it was her style. Yeah. Because you do see her. Liked. Yeah, you do see her give a lot of detail, especially to the thing that was the most uh, um, foreground. It was very like, it's usually a child. But then the mom, who's like in the middle ground, a little bit more blurred, maybe a little obscure, but not too much. And then the background was very impressionist. So you had, it was more multi-layered than, I mean, some impressionism, especially towards the end, you get like full-blown like, it's just a splash of color. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, these flowers are all mixing together, but it's so beautiful, so you're going to accept it. But it was no hard lines, no boundaries, just color. Um, but hers, it was almost like it was impressionalism with a idea or a focal point. Um, yeah. She wanted to make sure, and I really appreciate that she wanted to highlight women in general. Um, so you get things like the reader, you get things like the her holding her kids and just showing the the woman as she is, who she is. Um, and I just, I really, really appreciate that. I also appreciate that she actually worked her butt off to be one of the only Americans to be in that exhibit, like that first exhibit with all the, um, you know, impressionists at that time. And when I read that, I was like, oh dear heavens, how, the, how hard does she have to work not only to be a woman, but to actually be one of the only Americans in that Parisian exhibit that actually basically said, hey, Here's to start impressionalism. Uh, I, I could only imagine, like what she had to do to just to be a part of that, because then you do see people like um, Claudette and you know all of them, all the women follow right behind her, and they were seen in a lot more exhibits, and you get a lot of women now coming forward, and so she literally was a pioneer, got in, and the people were took women artists seriously, and they were like, oh okay. And then all these women were able to come in and just show yeah. their work. I was just like, that's I don't incredible. know about you, Hannah, but I feel like if I were born in that era, I would not do well. No, <laughs> me neither. Me neither. I'm, I'm just not, I don't like being put in a box and I don't like being forced to, I'm very independent. I'm yes. very stubborn. And I feel like I would be like a Joe March 
You would. I can see that. Absolutely. Well, I just, I don't want to always have to be in a dress. I want to be wearing clothes that are comfortable. I'm not, you know, going to always do the status quo. Mm -hmm. I just, and I don't think that that's how we were created to be. Right. Because if we were, then I don't, I'm, I must be program funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know there's a one one oh one there. Um, I just don't think that because <clears throat> you know we're we're not supposed to be put in a box. We're supposed to create. That's mm -hmm. why we were created was to right. create, right? And to put out into the world positivity and beauty, mm -hmm. and that's what art does. Yeah, it, you know it. Even if it's not a like subject that is very happy, it does still send a positive message because we need to acknowledge the good and the bad. And this is a form that we can do that in a in a beautiful way. Absolutely. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Um, I think my other favorite um, impressionist in that was also um, Edmund Tarbo um, just because yes. he did like three sisters and because just his bright colors man he has like this oh, yes. pop of red and this pop of blue and all these flowers and I'm like oh my gosh I yeah he's the one who did in the orchard with the girl lounge, uh, like taking a nap outside yes yes it's so beautiful. It's just so gorgeous. And you just look at them and you think, I mean, just how they even created these bright colors. And Amazing. Just, oh, it's just, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. You just want to jump right in and be a part of it. Or like you said, just take it and hang it in your home. Because it's just, it's just so exactly. beautiful. You just, there's nothing to describe it. Um, and it does. And it brings out emotions of happiness and cheer and beauty and like you said even if the subject isn't so happy just art just makes you feel and just makes you exactly. experience it's that feeling that gives you like joy absolutely that's why i love going to the smithsonian <laughs> yes which maybe we'll have to do a podcast when we actually can run away from our kiddos for a little <laughs> bit and go to the Smithsonian. But that museum is absolutely incredible as well. Uh, my husband... Dude, if we're going to run away, we're going to go to the Met. There we go. Let's do it. Um, we'll just go to Paris for a while and learn. You know, I, I like how this is progressing. All right, right? Right. <laughs> Because, um, you know, my my husband, um, God bless him, but he is a working class, um, born and raised in Scotland, but I take him to these things, and he just goes, there's another naked lady. There's a naked lady. There's a naked man. There's a naked lady. I'm like, honey, stop. And then I'm sitting there in front of a Degas, and I'm crying. He goes, why are you crying? What what What's wrong? Are you sad? I'm like, no, this is beautiful. And he just looks at me like, why are you crying because it's beautiful i mean it just i mean he does it he he goes with me because he loves me but the subject matter is not his cup of tea um 
But if you take them to a Comic-Con or, um, uh, you know, New York comic book stores, he's all up that alley. He's so ready for it. Um, so maybe, maybe we'll just send our guys to a Comic-Con and we'll just go to Paris. I don't know what's going to happen to the kids, yeah. but we'll figure it out. Cause, cause I, well, I would want to go to the Comic-Con. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, I do want to dress like, up too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going through like a you know a Richmond Comic Con, which is obviously not the same as San Diego. Oh my goodness! You know, San when Diego. I'm looking at oh. all the all the superheroes, I'm like, there's a unnaturally muscled man. There's another unnaturally muscled man, and there's an unnaturally muscled woman. Like you know, <laughs> so maybe it's like the same thing with with Paul. It's just like we we don't see it the same way, but but they but the. It, it's still kind of very similar and different art speaks to different people mm-hmm. and absolutely um, do you have any favorite artists outside of impressionists that like what if you had to say like your standalone like favorite artists would be outside of impressionism like painting or book or like painting painting oh gosh Renoir's Impressionalism. Uh, I do like Da Vinci, but it's not paintings. It's all of like the engineering that he did. Mm-hmm, he yeah. was smart. He created so many things that it didn't take a couple hundred years later before we actually figured it out, but he was already trying to invent it. Like the, the submarine suit, you know, like the heavy suit to go underneath the yeah. water. He was already trying to invent that. Now, granted, it took a couple hundred years for us to catch up with him, but I'm like, dude, you had to be so smart. Or like yeah. how he invented like a tank-esque thing. Of course, once again, the tanks didn't even come even near until like World War II. But still, I'm like, that's still hundreds of years later. We figure it out. But Da Vinci was figuring it out in his tiny little Renaissance hole. I'm like, how, dude? And like flying machines and I mean that's art in itself it's just such beauty to look at his mind and be like how are you coming up with these things but he was smart and he was artistic and his brain just worked like that so he could think you know what I can't fly but let me figure it out and so he studied birds he studied the anatomy of birds and how it works and how do birds fly and how do birds you know land and you know, and he studied the wazoo out of it so he could make like a kite and a flying machine. Um, he did it with humans too. You know, he, yes, he bought cadavers and he cut them up and he played with dead bodies and it got excommunicated by the Catholic Church because he played with dead bodies and that was a big no no. Um, it was against the rules. But he did it because he had to learn the anatomy of humans, he had to see how it worked, how the muscles worked, how the bone structure was. But then you look at his art, and he gets it. He gets it perfectly, the movement and the dynamicness of it. Um, just to have that sort of innovative mind in the Renaissance period just still blows me away to the, you know today. Like, once again, he was unpopular. He was pretty much poor. He might have been semi-famous in some realms, in some countries. But for the most part, 
he wasn't that vastly popular. He was excommunicated by the church. A lot of people thought that he was like, you know, doomed for failure. But you look at him now and you're like, why didn't we just listen to him? But we, <laughs> humans are always going to be the same. The, the weird, the out there, the crazy, we kind of ignore. And then we come back and we're like, oh, right. You know, maybe they weren't so crazy. Um, but yeah, so I, I think I would have to say bar impressionalism is probably Renaissance, but specifically Da Vinci. Um, but I am a huge fan of impressionalism. I I tried Picasso and a little bit of modernism and stuff, and I'm like, I I like the dimensions that we started playing around with, like 3D dimensions in modern art. But I I can respect it for its own. But I'm definitely a impressionalism, a little bit of neo impressionalism and post impressionalism. Uh, a little bit of those, but this era, man, is my favorite. That's my favorite. That's awesome. How about you? Do you know anybody outside of Impressionalism for you that you like? And your husband doesn't count. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> That's an easy out. It's so hard because there's so many unknowns out there that are just so talented um but i really like jackson pollock oh pollock yes and i don't know why i like his painting so much but they are just so like aesthetically pleasing to me mm -hmm. i i just it i have no reason why i don't i just think that his work is amazing well and I think Pollock he really defined that I guess that era of feeling and just colors um, how a color can just bring an emotion you don't even need scenery you don't even need a picture necessarily you just have colors and each person that's going to see that art is going to feel something different um, like, I remember some people not liking Pollock because it kind of, the colors measure, they don't really sit well because the colors aren't pleasing, but then you get someone else and they're like, no, those colors look beautiful to me, they're pleasing. It's just, Pollock is definitely that epitome of modern where you don't even need a picture. You just need colors. Yeah. And he just played with those so freely, you know. And even though it looks chaotic, there's still a composition. Yes. Yes. And there, it, it, there is a reason for it, you know? Like, why is that color there? And, you know, I think that also just goes to show that he painted what he was feeling and he tried to put that feeling right on the canvas. And so it was- I feel like you have to be super just emotional and smart to be able to do something like that yes absolutely like you you have to be like art has to be like flowing through your veins yeah absolutely to be able to create something like that yeah just have that sort of feeling and then you're only done when that feeling is properly portrayed yeah absolutely um 
strangely enough, one of my artists that I'm trying to research a little bit more, um, especially after the Depp versus Heard, is Johnny Depp's Ooh. paintings. I didn't know really? that not only does he play music and act, he paints. And it is, it, it definitely reminds me of modernism, but with a little bit of realism to it, maybe a tad impressionalism. Um, I, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel with paintings, because it's hard to like separate Johnny Depp paintings, like painted by Johnny Depp and people who are painting Johnny Depp. I'm like, no, I don't want the people painted by Johnny Depp. Exactly. I want the it's like Google Johnny search, Depp please. paintings, yeah. <laughs> no. But the few that I have seen, and I'm still researching it, so I don't have a final feeling on it, but when I found out that he painted, I wanted to check it out because I wanted to see what his style is, what he likes to paint. And I'm like, I had no idea that he did, but he loves to. He loves to paint. Um... Maybe that's why you moved to France. You know, he would, once again, the France, hub. yeah, France <laughs> is still the hub of everything new. Like, I, I also love, like, watching, like, the fashion shows, and people are like, oh, that's ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, but fashion shows, you gotta also remember, that's art. Fashion exactly. shows aren't portraying what they want people to wear. Fashion, that would be boring. <laughs> exactly. Fashion shows are actually showing art through clothing of what the person is feeling, what they want to portray. Fashion shows, and now people, stylists do go to fashion shows and they get inspiration and then they create like a, their own line of clothing. But the actual fashion shows are inspirational and they're supposed to be yeah. art. Um, and guess what? France is the hub of the hub of the fashion world. I'm like, France is still like art central. I don't know why. I don't know how they got that way. But because they still it's France. Hold that. Because it's amazing. France. Yes. <laughs> Even architecture, like you said, the um, Eiffel Tower. Yeah. It's a beautiful piece of architecture. Now, granted. Like, you even asked me at the beginning, do you think it's romantic? I'm like, well, it's just a spire up in the sky. The actual engineering isn't um, romantic, but I can see how people flock to it because it's just, it's unique. There's nothing else like it. It's not a building. It's basically a giant piece of art that goes into the sky, but there's curved lines. There's an aesthetic, pleasing feeling about it. And it's tall. It's just, it's beautiful. You know? As much as I love art, I think for me, one of the harder categories of art for me to get into is sculpture like that, like some architecture that I'm sure is extremely. What's the word? I don't have as much of an interest in sculpture art or sometimes I don't want to say architecture because I love architecture, but just monuments like that. Mm -hmm. It's <laughs> harder for me to connect with 
and maybe it's just it's just not in my it's just not my cup of tea yep and that's, but that's okay. okay yeah that's what we're here for i think i'm i like more organic stuff mm-hmm. which i'm it is in a way organic it's just organic in a different way it's very industrial and yeah. I, I think the eiffel tower does show the coming of a new age the industrial age um I think it portrays that, but I still think it's funny how it's been portrayed as romantic. I mean, I still want to go see it. I still want to go to the top of it. But the Eiffel Tower, I do see it more as a monument and like the like in a historical moment, not really romantic. But Paris yeah. is romantic though. So I guess if you think of the Eiffel Tower, you think of romance because Paris, exactly. the city's romantic. So yeah, but... It's just beautiful, but yeah, I can definitely see that. So, anything you would like to add before we finish up this podcast? No, I just want to say thank you for suggesting this. I actually saw the this exhibit for my birthday with my family, but of course that meant I had two children under the age of six who... I thought would appreciate and that's just my ignorance of children <laughs> um, being surrounded by really cool pictures on the wall <laughs> you were trying to culture them too early you know and Lily is such an artist I thought it was it would really like get her excited but I guess the subjects weren't interesting for their age range and I know it was silly of me, but you know, you gotta try, exactly. see what they like. That's just, I can't just assume that they're not gonna like something because kids normally don't like it. Right. But no, they, they fell in that category pretty quick. <laughs> um, so it was really lovely to go through it with you, especially with our conversation and being able to talk to someone and like I said, I'm very curious on what people feel and think about art. And so it was really wonderful getting to know what you thought and felt about the art we were looking at. Um, so just, I really appreciate you suggesting this and it was brilliant. And I'm really glad because I really do appreciate the Impressionalist so much more now. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think I learned so much, especially about American Impressionism. Yeah. Um, and just what they had to go through to go and where they studied and what kind of mentors they had, but that they really came into their own. They really got to make a name for themselves as American Impressionists. You know? Um, Winsler, which... Whistler, I feel so bad for him because it, everyone thinks of Whistler's mother... <laughs> Um, like if you've ever seen the Mr. Bean movie, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but, um, it was when I was probably a kid. Yeah. It, it, that's the painting he destroys is Whistler's mother. That's the one. My sister was a huge Mr. Bean fan. You're gonna have to ask her about it. That's the only reason I know who he is. She loves very dry British humor. Yes. Like Mighty Python, all, all of that stuff. And oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's it. It's like that's that's how I only knew of Whistler was from Mr. Bean and wow. Whistler's mother was the painting he destroyed. 
um, in that movie. So I got to see him as an actual artist and what like more products that he created besides just that one that Mr. That one painting, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I also got to see like Assad. Like I I love her so much. So now I want to study her more and get like a book about her and just learn about her life and what she did and who she was as a painter because I really not only loved her story, but I love just her paintings and her viewpoint of the mother and the child and just displaying that for and once again it was not in a religious way because usually mom and babies were very much portrayed in a religious sense of like mary the virgin mary and jesus or a saint with a baby or a mom and a baby but it was more to show the religious connection between Mm -hmm. my mom and the baby it wasn't just real life what we would think of real life mom and baby connection and just to see that in my favorite art era was just it was awesome i loved it absolutely loved it so i definitely want to learn more about her um so this exhibit was just it was good information it wasn't boring i felt like it was short but that's because i just wanted to learn more and see more um (laughs) it wasn't horribly big but once again i just have to give credit to the american impressionists now and just say, good job, guys. Yeah. You know, you made a name for yourself. You learned from the very best, but also made it your own. Um, and I, I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Well, thank you, Joy, for going to the exhibit and for talking to me of about course. this. Um, if you are um, interested in more of our podcast, Joy and I now have podcasts available anywhere you stream your podcast so please check out and click on the more episodes also please follow us on our social media we have instagram we have facebook um we have the whole link tree so if you find us please check us out um and stay tuned for more podcasts coming soon